This is Adeptus Podcasts, a podcast devoted to Warmer 40,000 Conquest, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Hosted by Matt, Nate, and Charles. You can reach us on our Facebook page or by emailing us at adeptuspodcasts at gmail.com. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 10 of Adeptus Podcasts. Uh, this week we're going to be discussing some of the news that's popped up in the last few weeks, as well as discussing some of our thoughts on Dex and Octagon. Uh, joining me this week is Charles. Nate, unfortunately, is not available, as it is currently 12.30 a.m. on Sunday, his time, where it is 8 o'clock Saturday for myself and 7.30 Saturday for Charles. Charles, how's things going down there in bright and sunny Florida? It's good, man. It's beautiful. Although my day today has been rife with... Uh technicians coming to fix everything in my home aside from that it's great what have they been fixing well my pool my pool pump broke I had to get somebody out for that I first world to... problems yeah i know right <laughs> my uh you know my toilet started leaking i had to get a plumber i had a a, a garage door opener technician come in today somebody had to come for my wi-fi system it's like non-stop Everything is breaking. The joys of... Wait, you don't even own the home. You rent. Yeah, I know. So I can't complain that much because I didn't really have to pay for anything. <laughs> but, yes, you know... The joys of renting. Uh, it's still annoying. All right. Well, I can definitely see that. But indeed, first world problems. And you should now go watch the Weird Al Yankovic music video, First World Problems. <laughs> yeah, I know. I did. <laughs> Uh, we're going to dive right into the news that's popped up over the last few weeks since our last episode. Good news, everyone! So we've had three big pieces of news since then. Uh, we've got the announcement of the third pack from the Warlord Cycle, the announcement of Demo Decks, as well as the Store Championship announcement. Knowing our resident fanboy for the towers here, Charles, I'll let you get started with the Gift of the Ethereals War Pack previews. Oh boy, so excited. Alright, um, the first card, well the Warlord, of course, is Onshi. I think that's how you pronounce it. Onshi. All the Tau and their crazy names. He is um, 2 attack, 7 HP, standard 7-7 seven, seven setup. Um, each, and he reads each Tau unit you control at this planet gains Armor Bane. And he also has a forced reaction after this Warlord resolves its attack, move it to your HQ. Um, I think he's going to be really, really strong. Um, Armor Bane for all of your Tau at the planet is pretty wild. I mean, what do you think? Well, I think given some of the range capabilities that Tau tend to have, giving those ranged units Armor Bane is going to be really, really powerful. I know you've had a few discussions online on the various forums and stuff in regards to people kind of being down on him because of his whole, you know, he does anything and then he gets removed. But I think you can work around it. you just got to be very careful with it. Yeah, I think you can too. And like you said, I'm, we talked about this earlier, but... If you get have to end up getting into a slugfest with a with a warlord, you know mano y mano, I mean it, that's going to put you in a bad situation. Um, you shouldn't be in that situation in the first place, but it may happen. So I can see the downside there. Um, but yeah, I mean like you said with with ambush platform and dumping gun drones on um, a uh, what was it Viorla marksman giving ranged AoE 4 with Armor Bane, 
Oh man, that's going to be insane. Yeah, I think he's got lots of potential. Um, I just think it's you know a matter of he's he's different. I think than well any of the other worlds because of his whole bounce mechanic is what I'm gonna keep calling it. And I think that's what kind of threw people off at first was just kind of like he doesn't even get to stick around. So, but I mean that at the same yeah. time you get to swing with him and he still gets to retreat because you know normally a warlord can retreat as their combat action, but then they miss their turn to strike. He's striking for you know at least two with armored bane because he you know he counts as a tau unit and it doesn't say other tau units, so he's at least hitting for two with armor bane and then he's going home anyway. You know, probably safe from you know whatever's about to whack you back. So he's he's got an advantage in that regard, in that he can attack and retreat all in the single action. Yeah, you never have to skip your your combat phase or your combat round with him in play to to retreat if you're in a bad situation, because like you said, he's just going to bounce back. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, next card here is um, the first in their signature squad, their unit card, is Ethereal Envoy. It's a one-cost army, has one command icon, one attack, three HP, which is fairly beefy for a uh, um, signature squad unit, but anywho. Uh, they have a forced reaction, which is the same as on Shi. After this unit resolves its attack, move it to your HQ. Um, I mean, they're kind of ho-hum, really. I mean, they're one attack. They don't really hit that hard. Um, they're cheap. That's good. I think they're, they're... We can't really gauge how strong they'll be until we start... We see more of the units that are affected by having ethereals at the planet. So these guys, they're kind of a question mark in my mind. I don't know. I think they're good because of what they're going to be... Well, their intention is to do because they're basically going to be there to help you know trigger ethereal stuff so you know if you need something that helps you trigger anything ethereal you've got a one cost ethereal right here so i think they're good in that regard having three hit points i think definitely helps them um i mean they're not hitting hard for anything but again they really shouldn't be they're ethereals like they're they're not the main fighters of the tau by any means they're they're the leadership case, you know, they're usually the ones that are sent behind the scenes, so to speak, you know, controlling everything and stuff, so. Yeah, I mean, and until we see more of those cards that are affected by Ethereals, um, really, they just kind of make a good capping unit, you know, for to help you through command. One cost, one command icon, just start dumping them at further planets and lock down those last two planets for, for your command. Um, dominance. Really, I mean, that's all I... It's really all I can say about it now, until we see some of these other cards. Yeah, but like, even the next card in the squad, the uh, on Shi's Sanctum, you know, that right there triggers off of having Ethereal Unit. So I think we're going to see a lot of cards even outside of this signature squad in this particular cycle that'll focus around, you know, having Ethereal Units and gaining benefits from it. So these guys will be good because you'll have a cheap, easily played Ethereal that you can get out there to pump out those abilities. True. Well, do you want to read the next one? Sure. Uh, on She's Sanctum, it's a support location for two costs. Its action is exhausted support to ready a target unit at a plant with one or more ethereal units you control. 
that right there with like on she and you know again a ranged unit or something like that means you could hit twice for that ranged unit with armor bane you know just one situation yeah. off my head but that's pretty crazy yeah your your stingwing swarm is going to be <laughs> yeah. that much more potent if it has an ion rifle oh my god good. yeah i was about to say that i was like give that stingwing swarm an ion rifle and you know say good night to whatever it is you're swinging at yeah or even just double double uh gun drone aoe oh boy yeah with armor bane oh man that's what I'm saying. With I think with the Tau, you don't even need, you don't need, you don't even need to ally to get these these board wipes. You already have them built into your deck. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Being able to give your units AOE too, let alone without buffs and stuff, definitely helps act as a pseudo board wipe. Yeah, especially because AOE stacks, which yeah. is very good knowledge to have. Because yeah. I, I mean, I didn't realize that it did that until. I don't know, like last week or something. Yeah, it's an important thing to note is that any uh, keyword or whatever that has the number in brackets does add on top of the others. That So it would stack, you know, AoE 2 plus AoE 3 would be AoE 5. Are there any cards in the game yet that that can stack like that aside from gun drones? I don't know of any offhand. I can't think of any off the top of my head, and I'm looking at my cards right now, but I'll let you know if I find one. Okay. <laughs> um... I'll move on to the next one. Uh, the next one is the attachment. Um, it's one cost, typical three uh, shield icons. It's called Honor Blade. It's war gear, weapon, attached to an ethereal unit. Attached unit gains each other Tau unit you control. This planet gains one attack. Now, what's important, attached to an ethereal unit. On she is an ethereal unit, so you can very, very well put this on your warlord to have a three-attack bouncing armor bane, which is pretty awesome. Um, really, I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> it's pretty sick. Yep, and it's another one of those things that triggers off of having an ethereal, so even if you don't get this on Chi, if you were to get it on even one of those ethereal envoys, I mean, granted, it's only given... They're not gaining anything from it, but still, they're an ethereal unit, so they help you trigger it, so everything else that that planet is now is plus one attack. Yeah, and also with the honor blade attached to your warlord. Oh, well, no, you can't do that. I ah oh, these these signature squads are throwing me through a loop because I was like, you know, communications relay. You can use that. Oh no, you can't. It's it's only with the shadow sun. Poop. Anyway, I'm dumb. Um, next one is ethereal wisdom. It's a zero cost event one shield icon and it reads action until the end of the phase a target tau unit you control gains one attack and gains the ethereal trait again this is kind of one of those question mark cards because we don't know the other cards that are affected by having an ethereal present um so it could be amazing it could be just a dud i mean i don't know yeah but the benefit here is that the unit doesn't have the ethereal drawback of you know they do something and then they have to retreat this ethereal would be able to stay there for the entire combat until the end of the phase so you know it lasts the whole phase so it's a benefit there plus he gets plus one attack so you know depending on what you put it on that could be a, a pretty good benefit for you yeah and you could also use this as a surprise ethereal pop-up for Anshi Sanctum to trigger. Yep. 
on, you know, a crisis guard or a stingwing swarm or, you know, whatever other Tau card you have. You could even, I mean, this would be a bit risky, but, you know, you have to get lots of benefit from it, but you could put the owner blade on the ethereal. The only problem with that is the owner blade's eventually going to drop off because it's not going to be ethereal the whole time. But still, that extra plus one could be the difference that swings the battle for you because that all of a sudden you'd have the ethereal wisdom giving all tau units plus one, and then the honor blade giving all the other tau units plus one, so now all your tau units at that battle have plus two. That's true. That's I'm sure there's some other janky ideas you can create with with these cards. I mean, the tower are really uh, combo-centric. Um, I mean, you you guys already made that assumption when they were first previewed. Um, and it's just proving more so as the cards go on. Yep. Alright, so we should probably go back and not neglect the card fan. So in the card fan, we get to see a Dark Eldar card, an Orc card, a Space Marine Eldar, and Astro Militarum. So the Astro Militarum is one we can make out the best. It's a zero cost unit called Mystic Warden. It's a Psyker 2 2 with a force reaction. After about this planet ends, sacrifice this unit. Astro Militarum do have some effects that trigger off a sacrifice, so I can see its benefit there. It's zero cost, so really, you know, whatever. You get a zero cost, hits for two. Not really that bad. I, I like the artwork on it because it's kind of got a Psyker who you can tell is, is a. Mental abilities are failing, and he's starting to either be possessed by a demon or the warp's coming through or something. So that makes sense why he's, you know, all of a sudden going poof. Uh, we also get to see another one of the Warlord groupies. It's an Eldritch Corsair. It's an Eldar unit, three cost, one command, two, three. Uh, it gets plus two attack while it is attacking a, well, it is at a planet with the Warlord. Uh, we've already seen other versions of these. Uh, like it even looks like the White Scars bikers that are in the same fan. You can just make out, it says, while it is at a, which it could very well be that's exact same text, you know, so every faction is probably getting one of these Warlord groupies. Um, there's also the Orc Ammo Depot, which we can't really see anything about other than it's a one-cost support, so don't really know what that's going to do. And then the Dark Elder card is... A one cost, two command, two health, two attack, and it's called a Slith Mercenary. Uh, the Slith are a alien race that are like snake people. They're kind of like the Naga from Legend of the Fire Rings and other snake races, you know, the, you know, the ones that exist in Dungeons and Dragons and the such. Uh, but they fight for the Delgarlar. Um it's theorized by a lot of people on the forums when they first saw this card that the card's going to have a pretty serious drawback just because of the fact that it's one cost for a 2-2-2. Two, two, two. It just seems too good. So they figure it's going to have a pretty significant drawback for me able to get a unit that good for that cheap. But we can't really tell because all we can see on the card is that it starts with action. Yeah, um, I'm willing to bet that it's probably something like you have to pay for them to for them to stay and to play each round. I mean, it's a mercenary. That would makes sense yeah that does make sense with it being a mercenary unit you know something involving a cost to you know here well you know i need my weekly bonus otherwise i'm going home all right here you go exactly. here's your christmas bonus you know and one thing this this it's funny i wanted to bring this up the white scars bikers you know i really expected the bouncing ability on on she to be on a white scars biker or a white scars warlord because it 
it makes sense with their kind of hit and run tactics in the fluff. I'm kind of curious why they chose to put it on on she, or maybe we're going to have a duplicate ability or something on a white scars. Although that's kind of lame. So I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't. What, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's going to be a while before we see the white scars. Like as a, a warlord, they're they're not one of the bigger chapters of the space Marines, So I think we'll see like you know blood angels and dark angels and those guys before we see the white scars. But I I suspect more likely they'll get something to do with like mobile or something because the white scars t- tend to ride around on bikes like for those who don't know what we're talking about the white scars are a chapter of space marines they're one of the original legions um but they come from a world that's basically genghis khan planet uh they're very much like the mongols of the 13th century uh, instead of riding around on horses of course they ride around on bikers and land speeders and stuff like that but they're all about speed and you know killing on the move and stuff like that so that's why i think they'll get some sort of a ability to do something to do with mobility or something like that yeah you're probably right um i just think it'll be a while before we ever see a white scars warlord slash signature squad you're yeah you're probably right there too i mean because this this warlord cycle i mean they're not there's no feasible way for them to continue doing one warlord for every chapter pack, like forever. So it's probably going to slow down. I'd probably see one warlord per cycle, I'd imagine, maybe two. It's not going to be like this forever, though. So it'd probably, you're, you're right. It'll, it'll be some time. It's hard to say what they're going to do with releases of warlords. I know with Netrunner, pretty much every cycle each of the factions gets uh, a new identity, although NBN got skipped one of the cycles, I guess, which I didn't realize. And a bunch of them got skipped in another one or something. So I guess you're right. It could slow down. I don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon, of course, just because we're going to want more variety quicker. And plus there's going to be, you know, that one person who's like, no, you haven't done X affiliations sub-faction yet, and they'll be like, you know, raging because they haven't got their guy they want yet. Because like, I know, me personally, I really, really, really want corn to come to chaos. And anyone who knows me knows this, because I'm sure I rave about it all the time. Plus, every episode, I say blood for the blood god. Um, so I'm really hoping that they don't skip it anytime soon, just because I want to get my corn warlord. It's it's going to be Slanesh, man. Come on. Just accept it. It's going to be Slanesh. It's going to be the next one. <laughs> I'm Googling your address right now, so I can drive to your house. <laughs> and I will show you the true fury of corn. <laughs> I love Slanesh, man. He's my favorite Chaos God. He's just hilarious. Yeah. They're crazy. Uh, that's it. You're off the podcast. I don't think I can be friends <laughs> with you anymore. Slanesh is the worst. <laughs> anyway, we're getting way off topic now. Oh, super Shocker. off topic. <laughs> All right. So the next bit of news, uh, this one's pretty brief. Uh, for those who, who didn't see it either on the FFG site or any of the other boards or on our Facebook page, or any of the other Facebook pages that I'm on that I post it to, they announced uh, back near the end of August that they're going to be releasing demo kits. Uh, this is something they've started to do recently with the LCGs. They started with Netrunner and Game of Thrones, and now they've got it coming for 40K. So this can be ordered by retailers, uh, either from their distributor if they're international or from FFG directly if you're down in the States. Um, 
So what it comes with, it comes with four sets of demo decks. You get one Space Marine deck, one Orc deck, and seven Planet cards included in each set. Uh, it's got a full art folder containing info on how to run it and you know stuff like that, and real summary sheets, and of course a promotional poster. So you know, these are really good, you know, for stores to have on hand for people who might be curious about that game, and you know they can try these out using these demo decks that are pre-built to go against each other. Uh, I like that it comes with you know a fixed seven planet cards. Uh, I assume they probably took out the three that maybe have either the less exciting effects or maybe the less the more confusing effects, depending on which way they decided to go with that. So I, I think it's it's a really good idea. It's definitely a great promotional tool. I know, uh, well, locally down in Halifax, they've had great success with the uh, the Netrunner ones. So they definitely seem to be helping with getting the word of mouth about. So, you know, if you haven't already bugged your store about it or they're not aware of it, make sure they know that they can order these. And uh, the sooner they get them, the better, because it'll help to promote the game while we're still... I, I assume these won't be out until after the core sets are, uh, assuming no more horrendous delays, of course. Um, but still, this will help with promoting the game to get it further expanded before competitive season comes up next year. Yeah, and definitely, you should really definitely... Um, really bother your store to get it because at the bottom of the of the announcement it does say supplies are limited or something of that nature so i don't know how long these are going to be available for the first because you have to apply for them so i mean i had to bother and bother and bother my stores until they send me a screenshot of their application success <laughs> so <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I just had to bother the crap. Well, I mean, I told them, I was like, I, you know, if you're into the game, you know, you can tell your stores that you will help them or you'll demo the game. You'll host an event to demo the game to spread the word. Um, and usually that will get them towards it. Plus, it's free. It's a win-win. But it says supplies are limited or until supplies last or something around that. I don't have it up. It says supplies are limited. To increase your chances of receiving one of these kits, apply now! Exclamation. I assume these will be pretty similar to what we saw in the videos from Gen Con. So then you'll say somewhere on it, like demo in like a white lettering across the card, just so you, know, you don't try and sneak it into a regular play deck. Uh, I like that it comes with four. So what I'm hoping, you know, we could see happen with some of them is, you know, the store keeps, you know, two or three on site. And then maybe some of the, the players who are more into the game within the local community gets one that they can, carry around with them so you know, if they ever need to whip it out for a demo they have it right there available to them i know that's what they do with some of the netrunner uh crowd down in halifax one of the guys who's the big pusher for the game uh, he has one that he takes with them so he's always got it available to demo the game so i'm hoping i can get one from the store too that i can have with me but if worse comes to worse i've still got two more core sets on the way so i'll just use one of my core sets for demo decks yeah, I think this is really brilliant, too, because I think they should do one of these for every LCG. Um, I don't know if there already are, if I'm just ignorant to the fact, but, nope. I mean, I've had a lot of trouble. Um, I mean, my, my history of LCGs is mainly Game of Thrones, um, and trying to build a meta from nothing is really difficult. Um, and there's several posts on CardGameDB about, you know, how to build a meta, how do you get people in, and this will really help bridge that gap so that people aren't having to use their own cards for their own demo decks. They're, they're already at hand in the store. 
Yeah, they're definitely a good idea. I think we'll see these come out for all the LCGs eventually. Uh, it's just a matter of time, but, you know, FFG's got a lot of different things on their plate right now, so, you know, if it takes them a little bit longer to get a demo deck out for every single game, I, I'm fine with that as long as they keep pushing out the product. Um, game of Thrones already has it, and, you know, Netrunner got it first, and then 40k now, so, you know, I'm sure Star Wars and Cthulhu are down the pipe. I hope so. Alright, so the last bit of news we got, and this one's quite recent. Uh, this was just the other day on Thursday, actually. Um, we got the announcement for the 2015 Store Championships. So, for those who are new to the LCGs and don't know what a Store Championship is, it's essentially the lowest... Well, not really, it's the lowest level of competitive play that FFG does, you can actually, they've got a little pyramid in all the articles for the store championships announcements where they show how it ranks. So, you know, you go store championships, feed into regional championships, feed into national championships, which then feed into the world championship, which is down at the FFG Center in Minnesota. So, last year in 2000, well, not last year, I guess that's actually this year, uh, last winter slash spring in uh, February and March, they did the first ever store championships that they've done uh, for all the existing LCGs at the time. And uh, the prizes this year are pretty similar to what we got last year. Uh, and they're, they're pretty standard across the games on what you kind of get. It's just, you know, of course, different artwork based on the game. Uh, so for all the store championship kits, you the champion gets a championship plaque. Um, what this is, I actually have the Star Wars one, so I can describe it pretty well. It's, it's a wooden plaque it's black uh and it's got mounted on it a piece of art that's really shiny and glossy and it says on it well next year i'll say 2015 store champion uh mine of course says 2014 store champion it's for star wars uh charles you've got the game of thrones one for the store championships right yep who was the artwork on the game of thrones one Oh, it's, it's, it's beautiful, Cersei. It was Cersei? That's when they had all the Cersei stuff. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. All right, so for 40K, what we're getting, and this really excited me as soon as I saw it, uh, we get a Corn Berserker who's swinging his axe at an Eldar Psyker who's uh, shooting lightning from his fingertips at him, kind of like, you know, Palpatine. Um, so that's uh, the artwork that you'll get on the plaque, the promotional poster. Um, we also get... Uh, for first place gets a first round buy at a regional championship. Uh, the way the buys worked, at least this year, was that if you went to the event, you could pick whichever championship you wanted to use the buy at. So if you happen to be lucky enough to make it to more than one regional, you might want to hold on to it depending on the size or the expected turnout, You know, maybe how you feel you're going to do on that particular day. It gets you basically a free win in the first round. And the good thing about it was that it counted as a full win against someone who then went on to win all the other games so it helped with your uh, strength of schedule uh, in case you needed that come tiebreakers and stuff like that uh, so they're really good that way then you also get a playmat that goes to the top four this is same as last year in that there's the top four players each receive an exclusive playmat which has the same artwork as the plat and says on it 2015 store championship there's also a fifth playmat that you get it's identical. It's for the judge or the tournament organizer. The only difference is it doesn't have the word store championship on it. At least that's what they did this year. It was just 
left off, so it was basically just the, the artwork and the name of the game. Top 8 this year, which is different than last year, because last year it was only the first place and second place that got a deck box. Uh, I got both the Star Wars one because I got first and second at two different events. Uh, so this time top 8 each get a deck box, including there's also one for the Judge or TO, which it's good that they're rewarding the judges because, you know, a lot of times judges tend to sit out of events. Uh, store championship level, you're not required to, but depending on the size, you might want to just so you can keep a better eye on things. Um, so the deck box has the artwork of the same Eldar that's shooting the Corn Berserker on the playmat, and it's got the Eldar faction symbol on the side of the box, so it's going to be an Eldar-themed box. And then there's 32 copies of the Lehman Roost Battle Tank. It's an alternate art copy of it. Uh, it's got the Lehman Rust and it's just fired its blaster and it's got like a big old puff of smoke coming out of its uh, its turret and everything like that so it looks pretty cool and there's a blast going off behind it so there's 32 of those and that's the participation card so everyone's going to get at least one of those depending on the turnout uh, I know the Star Wars events I went to last year are the most we had I think was like 9 at one of them so everybody got a play set of the cards it wasn't just you know because we're like, well, we don't need extras, so chances are pretty good you'll walk away with a, at least a couple copies of the alternate art tank, if not three copies potentially, because there's, you know, there's 32 in there, so chances are pretty good unless you've got a lot of people at your event, you're going to walk away with a playset. Overall, I'm really thrilled with the prizes and the artwork they chose. They kind of hit a lot of different things. You know, we've got Eldar, we've got Chaos, we've got Astro Militarum. Um, I'm really surprised by how early this was announced. I don't recall it being quite this early last year uh, but it's good um, so for the way these work stores have to apply for it if you're in the states you just click on the link that says United States and apply directly through the FFG website uh, international applications are submitted to the local retailer uh, the list of retailers in case you don't know who's for your country is located in the international section all entries must be submitted by October 3rd at 11:59 central standard time so We've got a few weeks yet, yet, but not as many as we'd like. I know I've been bugging every store I know of in the Maritimes to apply, and Charles, I know you did the same down in Florida. Yeah, for sure, and and a good way too that I found to help, I guess, convince your store to purchase this because they do have to purchase the kit, I believe. Yeah. Um, is when, if your store is selected for a store championship, you're put on the Fantasy Flight site as a store championship location. So it's it's kind of like uh, advertisement for your store that you support these games, and people will draw to you. I mean, I know Jesus Ramos um, in uh, Dogs of War Gaming in Melbourne, Florida. He you know he has his group is is just growing and growing and growing for all of the LCGs. Which this is also a shout out because that store is awesome, um, but yeah, it's it will help promote the store that they apply to, and I that's helped me sell it. So try that <laughs> and bother the crap out of your store owner. Yeah, you definitely got to make it sound like it's in their own best interest, which it is, but they might need some convincing that it is. Uh, the kits, at least for the U.S., are uh, sixty dollars for the kit itself. So you know it's. It's a bit of an investment, but you know most stores get that back when you know charging a few bucks just for the entry into the tournament, which I never anybody really complain about saying you know I don't want to pay anything to support the game. That's just silly. Yeah, I also think that the 40k um, prize kit 
is I think it's the best because the art the art is the best art of all of the play sets that I've seen um, for all of the LCGs. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's like the Game of Thrones one is is a picture of Tyrion's face, which, I mean, I don't really want that staring at me. I'd rather use my Cersei one. <laughs> um, I can't remember what the Star Wars one was. It's Obi-Wan. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a picture of Obi-Wan. Um, I think Netrunner is a picture of Kit. Yep. I'm just staring up at you. This one is like a. This one is just a. It's like an event happening. It's so. It's just more exciting to me, as an art. Is it just, you know, visually appealing? Yeah, this one's got a bit of action going on, as opposed to some of the others. Like last year, I was super excited about the Star Wars one, and I just I had to get that plaque for my Star Wars room. It drove me crazy trying to get it. Um, but last year it was Boba Fett blasting out of the Sarlacc pit, so you know at least it felt like something was going on. This year it's it's literally just Obi Wan, you know, with his hood kind of going down, just kind of staring at you. So I'm a little less excited <laughs> about Obi Wan this year. <laughs> He's just staring at you, dead faced. It looks like the point of the movies were kind of like like he, you know, he scared off the, uh, the uh, oh, crap. I can't think of what they're called. The Raiders that were attacking Luke, and uh, he's you know taking off his hood to you know check on Luke. That's what it looks like is trying to convey. But yeah, that's the artwork that's on that one. This one's definitely got better artwork, and I'm more excited about this. You know, not just because it's the first real 40k event, but just because it's got exciting artwork on it. I think you know, plus it's got a corn guy, so of course I'm excited. Of course you're excited. <laughs> well, yeah. All right, so that's it for the news. Next, Charles, I know you wanted to talk a bit about Octagon. You've been having uh, quite a time playing a lot of games on there, so I'll let you uh, take that off. Yeah, I've been playing a ton of Octagon, um, and the the system is really, really well. Um, when it first came out, there was bugs, but of course it just first came out. Um, and it's, it's really running smooth now, and... You know, as the days go by, there's more and more games being hosted almost at any time of the day. Um, and it's, you know, I don't have the cards yet. So this is really like my only way for to just hug and love on the cards. <laughs> but, oh man, it's every game I've played is so good. Um, and I'll give a shout out to uh, one of the guys I play with often. His name is uh, Glaive Guy. And... Every game we have is just so epic in proportion. It's always just a nail biter at the end. It's just so awesome. And it's using Octagon has really changed my view about a lot of decks, um, a lot of archetypes where at first when I saw the preview, I just kind of just brushed them off, um, which, again, I'll eat crow here now because the last episode that I was on, I said I didn't care about Astra Militarum. But I really, really do now. They're so much fun. Um, Suppressive Fire is such a good card. Um, giving them just a little bit of control just to kneel or kneel. That's my Game of Thrones talk. Um, exhaust, you know, one of your weenies and, you know, control them. What's what's the other one? Preemptive Barrage. Giving yep. th up to three. And it says up to three, which is important because... You can use it if you only have two. If it means the battle, that means the battle, and you can use it for two. Anywho, um, 
you know, giving three of your units ranged is so strong. And you can you can give the Lehman Russ battle tank ranged, which is so good. I've had so many fantastic, so fun games with Astro Militarum. So if you get on Octagon, I totally suggest you try them out if you're not interested, because they really changed my mind. Um, as well as the Orcs. The Orcs are so much fun. Um, Cracktooth Hall, you know, learning that moving damage is different from just taking damage. So it's the moving damage from Cracktooth Hall cannot be shielded. It's being moved. So you don't have the opportunity to shield. That's really strong now. You know, it allows you to ping off some of those um, one HP um, capping units for command struggles. It just has so much utility. And I think the more people play with the orcs, the more they realize that their control over damage can get really, really strong. Yeah, um, I've been playing with the actual cards because I've got my two core sets now from uh, my friends at Gen Con. Um, and I've been using that to help demo the game too. We did a, uh, my buddy Ben and I went down to Halifax a couple weeks ago and just just to play for a change. Usually when we go down, it's like for an event or something, which sometimes it gets a little draining, always playing nonstop competitive. So it was kind of nice just to go play. We played a couple other games, but then uh, two of our LCG buddies showed up and they kind of wanted to see this game in action. So I'd built two decks from just one core set because that's all I had at the time. Um, so we did a demo for them. And even Ben was sitting there and he, he play tested the game with me. So, you know, his name's in the rule book. Uh, too, and you know he's played the game before, obviously, and stuff like that. And even he was sitting there, and he's like, "Man, seeing these cards for real with the artwork and everything just makes it seem so much better." Um, so I definitely think that you know once everybody's got the cards in hand, it it just even for myself, you know, having had access to the cards for so long now and the artwork and whatnot, just having real cards, you know, just makes it seem so much. I don't want to say real because that just sounds lame, but it's it's true. It's 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 right there in my face now, and the artwork is just amazing up close and in person. Um, in regards to Astro Militarum, I'm not, as others have known and heard before, I'm not really a fan of just playing the humans in any game. It's, it's not even just 40k. It's it's anything. I don't want to play as the humans like you know when I used to play Warcraft 2 way back in the the 90s. I always wanted to play as the orcs, not the, the humans or whatever and stuff like that. So, um, but Astro Militarum is something we'll be experimenting with uh, over the next few weeks uh, while we play. You know, people learn the game and get their own cards and stuff like that because I really like the idea of their. I'm going to call it tribal decks just because it, you know it's a, a term we all inherited kind of from Magic: The Gathering and stuff like that. But his buff, you know, gives, is like a, a tribal buff and that buffs all of that particular types of units are a soldier or warrior. So I'm going to be mixing him with uh, both space brains to get their soldiers and then orcs to get out their warriors and stuff like that. In regards to what you said there about moving damage, I think that's an important thing that people know as well in regards to the Nurgle stuff we've got coming up in the second pack of the Warlord Cycle because a lot of the Nurgle effects too also involve moving damage. So it is important to note that, just like it says in the rule book, I know not everyone's read it quite as many times as I have, moving damage is not the same as, you know, attacking and assigning damage and all that stuff so it, it skips some of that stuff so it's an important distinction for some of the effects that can help you get around things like shield and stuff like that yeah I'm actually glad you bring that up because I was initially um, kind of wary of Nurgle I thought it would be kind of fun 
Um, thematically, it's really good. Um, really fits the fluff of Nurgle and their stinky rot. Um, but now that I know that little tidbit of ruling, or clarification probably is a better term, um, they could, they're much stronger than I envisioned before. Um, so I think somebody brought this up to us on the uh, DB um, forum post. But yeah, my, my mind has definitely changed about them. And like I said, now that I'm playing Octagon and I'm, you know, sinking my teeth into some of these decks and seeing the meta shift as people are testing decks and playing new stuff, um, a lot of my thoughts on, on cards have, have really changed. Yeah, and the user that we want to give that shout-out to was Derek Gray. He's also on our Facebook page. He's the one that mentioned the stuff about moving and wanted to know if people's thoughts had changed on Nurgle now that they knew that moving uh, didn't quite mean what some people had taken it to mean already. And I know you posted a reply saying basically uh, my opinion is completely, well, not completely, but changed quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what kind of decks are you seeing on Octagon? I haven't really had a chance to really sit down other than just, I, I sat down and kind of set up a game just to kind of get used to the controls and stuff. I haven't really played any games on the computer. Uh, honestly, by the time I get home from work, the last thing I want to do is sit in front of the computer. Yeah, me either. <laughs> um, I'm seeing a lot of Space Marine, which is, I mean, they did win Gen Con, so it's to be expected to see a ton of Space Marine. Um, I would probably say at least three out of five games are facing Space Marine. Um, I'm also seeing a lot of Tau, and I'm it's really a surge in Tau now since the the clarification on Ambush Platform, um, because before people thought that you couldn't play the Cadre or um, Gun Drones using Ambush Platform, but in fact you can because they're they aren't attachment attachment cards themselves but their their text allowed them to be played as such so that has really changed this the power level of the tau um so i'm seeing a ton of tau um a lot of dark eld or no i'm sorry not dark eldar um a lot of eldar which are really frustrating to play against you know a deck is good when you're just grinding your teeth when you're facing it because nullify can really ruin your day same with Doom. Oh man, I've been at the, I've just cried myself to sleep on on a destruction of Doom. <laughs> it just sucks. Yeah, Doom really turned the tide in the the demo game that we did. Uh, so it, it it was it was definitely the game changer for sure there, and it 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 caused the other player to eventually end up losing. Um, just going back real quickly, to what you're saying about Ambush Platform for those who might not know what he's talking about. Ambush Platform is the two-cost support the Tau have that has an interrupt. When you deploy an attachment, reduce its cost by one, and combat action exhausts the support to deploy an attachment from your hand. So with this game, I know I've said this many times to people on the forums like that, you've got to take things very literally. I know a lot of people who've played the other FFG LCGs might be a little leery of some things because FFGs in the past been known for some... Um, rule oops uh, with this game all of us playtesters and FFG and stuff we and particularly P. Brennan Patrick Brennan the editor worked very hard to make this game as clear as possible so you, you really have to read the text and take it as literally as you possibly can so even though 
the drone and uh, the other car that you said that I can't think of what it is right now, the the, the cadre, right? That's what I'm thinking of. Aren't yeah. attachments per se, they can be deployed as an attachment, so that's why this wording works on them because they're just doing what they're able to do with their text that, that they can be deployed as if they're an attachment even though they're not an actual attachment card. Um, so, you know, it's, it's an important difference just to clarify there. Um, yeah, I, like I've been reading some of the various threads on, you know, like I'm in, I think, a dozen different 40K Conquest groups on Facebook, and I check Board Game Geek and Card Game DB and they have a G boards and stuff. And I see a lot of people saying, they're, I see a lot of this on Octagon. But then the next person says, I see a lot of this on Octagon. So I think things are still very much in that discovery phase. So it, I don't think we're, it's, I think it's too early to say yet that the Space Marines are the deck or anything like that. But as as we all said, I think it was our, our last episode where we were all together, we kind of thought that Space Marines would be quite popular in the beginning just because Space Marines, in a lot of ways, they are 40K. You can't buy or read anything about 40K where Space Marines aren't probably in there somehow. I, I can think of very few examples where there's not been Space Marines in some form or another. Like every single starter box that's ever been released for the miniature game has had Space Marines and something else in it. So it's kind of just one of those things, you know, Space Marines are the most popular faction by far in 40k. It also helps that with uh, Space Marines, they've got a lot of different sub-factions, like you've got the Ultramarines, the Space Wolves, Blood Angels, Dark Angels, White Scars, etc. So if one chapter doesn't appeal to you, the other one might. So that helps too for giving the Space Marines a greater appeal, I think. Yeah, they have a flavor for everybody. Yeah, for sure. Which, um, Alpha Legion, just saying. <laughs> traders, I know, but Alpha Legion. Well, Some. De- debatable traders, but I'm not going to get into that particular spoiler alert right now. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> we can talk about that for hours. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Stay a while and listen. In our lore segment this week, I'm not really going to get into any actual lore per se, but I've had a few people who've messaged me saying that you know they're they're new to 40k and they they really like that I'm trying to introduce the setting to them and it helps you know with the theme and stuff like that. I've, and I've also had a few requests from people saying you know how do I get into the lore of this game? You know where do I start? And I wish it was a simpler question than it is. Uh, but it, it's uh, it's not, unfortunately. The best way to really get into it with the best overall picture of the lore would be if you have access to one of the 40k rulebooks, either for the miniature game, or even if you had access, like if you, if you have friends who roleplay, who play FFG's roleplaying games, they've got five different roleplaying games that are all based on the 40k setting, that kind of have a chapter in each of them that gives you kind of a, a broad picture of the universe. It's all slightly slanted, of course, from that particular RPG's focus. And, you know, like, The Black Crusade is is a book that's focused on playing as chaos. So that might not give you the best overall picture, because it's, of course, going to be slanted from chaos's own perspective uh, in regards to the galaxy and everything like that. But if you can get one of the miniature game 
books. You can probably find them from pretty cheap online on eBay or something like that. Like if you bought a, a older version, uh, you know, maybe like fourth or fifth or something. I won't go quite far as back as second edition because a lot's changed since then and it's hard to find. Um, but those all have chapters in them where it's kind of like, you know, here's the 40K setting, here's kind of a general overview of the factions, here's why, you know, they fight, and here's, you know, the various history of the races and stuff like that, and how they all interact and stuff like that. So it helps give you a good overall picture. The other thing you can do is Games Workshop is the company that, of course, you know, owns the, the 40K IP and all that stuff, and they have their own publishing company called Black Library. Their website is blacklibrary.com. Uh, the Black Library name itself is in reference to a craft world of the Eldar that's where the Harlequins come from, and it's essentially their repository for all their knowledge about chaos, uh, or as they call it, the Primordial Annihilator. So Black Library releases new books, new short stories on a constant basis. Like They are constantly streaming out new material. I can't even keep up with all the things that I want to read uh, that's on my iPad. I get, I pretty much only buy iBooks now. Um, but they release all their books either in ebook format. Uh, you can also get it in a you know hardcover or paperback depending on its release and stuff like that. And they've got stuff that covers forty thousand from the time of the Horus Heresy, which is when you know chaos almost won and things kind of went to hell for the Imperium. Um, that's a very large series. It's a very good series. Um, and the way those books work is they're not necessarily designed to be read all to, like in a row of like how they were published or anything like that. There's, and there's a lot of short stories and stuff like that that kind of interspheres throughout the novels. Um, the first three you can pretty much more or less read in a row, and those are kind of like the, the, the overlay of the entire heresy and the war and stuff like that. But then... The other books kind of fill in time and that stuff, but like I said, it kind of jumps around. So you know, like book six falls into book twelve and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily book by book by book. You can kind of jump around, and that tends to be what I do with the Horus Heresy. Uh, Charles, I know you read the first three pretty much back to back. Yeah, um, I actually got most of my Warhammer lore in the 30k stuff i mean really everything begins at 30k all of the crazy bad stuff that's in 40k is a result of the 30k um <laughs> with horace and his rebellion and stuff um the first three are really fantastic um i i chewed right through them and that goes um oh man those begin at you know pre-horace badness to um like the pinnacle of his terror, essentially. Um, at least in my mind, the pinnacle of his terror. I know he does some other bad stuff, but um, Drop Site Massacre is probably the worst. Yeah, by far. Um, so, yeah, you can get into those books. Uh, they're very well written. They're really good books. You know, But like Charles said, they're not, necess- they're not in the time period that Conquest, of course, takes place because Conquest is in the main timeline, which is the the 41st millennium, so these are 10,000, Horus Heresy is 10,000 years ago from the perspective of the people in the game that we'll be playing. Uh, so with the actual main story of Warhammer 40,000, there's, there's there's lots of different series. There's, of course, a ton of books on Space Marines. You know, like I said, they're, they are 40K. Uh, I mean, the Horus Heresy is pretty much all Space Marines. Uh, 
So you can you can start with any of those. They've got various different series that kind of focus on different chapters. There's you know an Ultramarine series. There's various Space Wolves books. Uh, Ragnar Blackman himself is the focus of several books. He's got six books uh, that I'm currently working my way through. That basically is it's like it's not like a flashback. So it's like he's in a battle, but then he remembers back to when he was training or even before he was ever a, a space marine and you know he was living as a, a tribesman on Fenris and then kind of follows his development from you know tribal warrior to neophyte to commanding a squad to commanding a company and stuff like that so it's, it's a pretty good series in that regard so you know, if you want to get into the space wolves because you know you might be a viking fan or something like that you can start there um if you don't want to read about space marines a really good series that i i mean i see it recommended so many times it's called gaunt's ghosts um these books are done by dan abnett who anyone who's read a lot of fantasy or sci-fi probably at least knows his name he's a he's written quite a few series so gaunt's ghost follows an imperial guard regiment called the tanith first and only uh which are led by a guy called uh gaunt commissar gaunt and they've got all kinds of books that basically follow them as they're on a what's called a sabbat crusade and stuff like that as they kind of develop and you know fight and it's the same character so it's good in that regard and that there's a continuity between it so that's a it's a very popular series it's one i see recommended a lot i've never really read it myself because i'm not really just a an astro military or imperial guard fan myself but it's definitely one i plan to read eventually i'm actually i'm about to dig into those um, tonight so I might have some more comment later on in future episodes. Um, yeah, I'll probably start it tonight. Okay, cool. Um, another, what I've recently started reading is uh, the last couple of years, uh, or they've done what's called like an advent calendar, and it's basically they release a new short, short story a day for a certain period of time. Uh, that's either Warhammer, Warhammer 40,000, or Horus Heresy focused. And these are like, I'm talking really short, like they're like three to four pages. Like these are not novels or even novellas by any means, but they're all from a very different thing. Like I read one last night that's uh, about a, a Space Wolves guy, and then the next one I was reading is about uh, a Space Ring guy who's been reprimanded, and the next one I was reading is about a, a Tau Warrior. So they kind of jump over the place, but they're really short. But they, they're really quick to read too, and they just kind of give you a real brief glimpse of a story in there. So those are really good. They're also really cheap to get. You know, the ebook versions of they're only a few dollars. Um, if you want to focus on like a particular faction, you know, like let's say Charles' favorite there, the Tau, you can actually go right on the Black Library website, and they have an entire section that's called Tau Empire, and this is all their Tau books grouped together in one section, so you can kind of see everything they have available. They don't have like a just you know a collection you know just buy all this and this is all the books. Uh, they did just release a new book, ebook, uh, a couple of days ago. It's it's only like a I bought it. It's like a 14, 15 page story and it's called On She. So it's all about the upcoming warlord for the Tao and it's it's just him. But like I said, it's only a few pages. Uh, so you know, it's not a bad read. It's, it's only 3.99 too. So you know it's not expensive by any means to pick that up. It's only available as an ebook. Um, the way that I actually got into reading the Horus Heresy books, because I didn't really read them, and by the time I started, there was already quite a few out, I got some of the audiobooks. So they've they've got abridged and unabridged versions of the audiobooks, and 
Uh, this was back when I was working at a place and I, I had a layoff that was coming, so I basically didn't have very much to do. They were basically just working me out until my layoff was official. Um, and I worked from home at the time, so I literally just had all these available and I spent my workday listening to the audiobooks. And they're done really, really well. Um, the guys that get to do the voiceovers are just amazing at what they do. So you know, those can be a good way too. If you have a job that requires you to travel a lot, um, you know, after you finish listening to the podcast, uh, you can also listen to these too. Uh, I've done that, you know, when I'm out driving or when I was traveling out west for jobs and stuff like that, I would put on my iPod and just listen to it while I'm on the flight, and it kind of gives you something to listen to. The one th- caution I'll give you: don't try and do anything else and listen to like a Horace Heresy book or something because you're going to miss so much. And like the the shortest or smallest thing could be very important later on. It's just the books are so layered with detail that you've got to kind of give it your attention. It, it, I mean, it's not. I don't know how many people listen to a lot of audio books, but you know, if you have, you know that you kind of have to pay attention in a different way than when you're actually reading it. You can't just you know, words don't soak up quite the same way when you're just listening to them. Um. Another really good introductory series, uh, this is similar to like the Gaunt's Ghost stuff, and this one is focused on the Smurfs, the Boys in Blue. And this you can get an entire collection of, uh, I think it's called simply enough, just the Ultramarines Omnibus, but let me double check that. As soon as I find it, of course. Yeah, they've got a collection that's available that it's, I don't know if it's available on their site right now, but I've seen it on like eBay and stuff like that. And it's essentially, it's a collection of a whole bunch of different Ultramarine books that you can get all together. Um, they've got available another thing to it, and they've got this for like all kinds of different Space Marine chapters. They're called Quick Read Collections. And these are a bunch of the short stories and e-novellos, and you can buy them all in ebook format, but you save 20%. So you can get like one that's for the Ultramarines. There's a, a Space Wolves one. I think there's even one for the Black Templars that just came out. Uh, no, Black Templars does not have one yet. Black Templars are another chapter of the the Space Marines that I'm a big fan of. They're they're pretty much exactly like they sound. They're a lot like the Templars from like the the Holy Crusades and the 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 Middle East back during the the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages and stuff like that. They're very much like those guys. Like they're a military monastic knightly order. You know, they have Crusaders and stuff like that. They've got quite a few short stories that are available that you know range from two dollars to five dollars. So there's, there's lots of different ways to really get into the lore. Like I said, this is not, it's sadly not as easy a question to answer as I'd like it to be. Um, if you're a big fan of the orcs, and this is one that was asked by our friend uh, Derek Shipwreck Kamal, the, who we interviewed a couple weeks ago, and he's also uh, the guy that runs Freebooter Command. There's actually a book that's done from the orcs' perspective. It's, it's the only book I've found that's written from like the orcs, and it's, it's kind of, I, I just read like the first couple chapters of it. I haven't dived into it fully yet, but it's kind of fun to read because reading orc speech and stuff like that is very different than reading you know, like human speech because they talk like you know with lots of slang and cutoff words and stuff like that, and they they're uh, it it's amusing. Uh, that one's called uh, Sanctus Reach Evil Sun Rising is done from their perspective, and. Uh, this whole series is it's it's a collection called the Sanctus Reach and it's all about an orc log that's uh, destroying this area called the Sanctus Reach and there's quite a few books for it now. They've also got a collection for it called the War for Sanctus Reach ebook collection which again you save 20% on and it's got all the books collected 
uh, that's thirty dollars. You know, it's not a bad price to get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven books. Charles, have you read those ones yet? I've read um, I read Penumbral Sp- Spike, okay. which is in that um, Sanctus Reach, and I did actually just finish um, before the last book I read, which was Firecased. Um, I read Evil Sun Rising, and I was actually going to suggest it because it's so much fun. I mean, you're not reading Shakespeare, of course, and you have to understand that, but um, it's just so much fun, and it's really quick read too. It's a it's it's a novella. It's not like a full blown. 400 page novel but it's a ton of fun and um it's not too orky you know it's not too orky so that you can't really understand it um it's just it's just awesome it was a really really great and fun read i would definitely suggest it yeah i'm looking forward to reading that one that's going to be a bit i'm kind of bouncing around right now i I'm reading the new Star Wars novel that just came out first, and then I'll probably bounce back to some 40K stuff or maybe Horus Heresy again. Um, so, all right, so that's the best answer I can give everybody who's asking me. Like I said, I mean, if you if you want to focus on a particular faction, it's pretty much go to the Black Library's website, select the Warmer 40,000 section, and just you know find whatever it is you're interested in. There's all kinds of different breakdowns. Um, one other thing to mention in regards to their audio stuff, it's not all, you know, just audio books where like they read it to you essentially. And I mean, those are pretty good too because you know they're good. But they also do audio dramas. So these are done. They're kind of like you know back in the, you know, the 1920s and stuff like that, where you know we didn't have TV, so your entertainment was done through radio. And you had like you know Dick Tracy and stuff like that. So these are done in that kind of similar idea in that they're they're written in that, you know, it's, it's like a TV show, but it's all done through word, of course, like that. And they've got a couple of those that's available. They've started a new one recently that's called the Transia Rebellion. And this is the first time I've ever seen them do this. It's it's a weekly audio drama. So every week we get a new episode that kind of adds to this. Um, they're up to episode four right now. I've listened to them all. Uh, they're available. You can get them on the website. They're uh, $4 an episode. I'm sure... Once it's done, they'll sell like you know a, a compilation that'll be a little bit cheaper, and I'll be like, ah, oh, well, crap, I just should have waited, but I'm impatient. Uh, each episode's only about eight minutes or so, so you know it's not going to take up a huge chunk of your day, but it gives you something to kind of listen to real quick, and it's really interesting, and the story's kind of developing. Its its com- its combatants are Tau, uh, Space Marines from the Doom Eagles chapter, as well as members of the Adeptus Sororitas. Uh, the Deptus Redhouse are also known as the Sisters of Battle. They're a military order that follows the Church of the Imperium, which is called the uh, Astro, uh, the Minist- uh, Minotaurum. Uh, and they're basically the Catholic Church. And these are their warrior nuns, uh, is the easiest way to describe them. There's been other audio dramas I've listened to. Uh, there was one that was... It, it's a Space Wolf one. I can't remember their name right now, to be honest. I'm sure I'll find it. Uh, it it was interesting. I I'm a huge Space Wolves fan, and in this one, it's got like a bunch of Space Wolves, and one of their battles, or one of their brothers rather, uh, during a battle becomes uh, violent and rabid because he falls to what's called the Wolfen, where the Space Wolves kind of become very feral and they they give in to their instincts and stuff like that, so they have to hunt him down. Uh, it's, it's called Thunder from Fenris. I kind of so it's one of the audio dramas. The only thing I I have to say that 
bad about it is the way the voices are done. Every single person in it sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger back during the 80s and stuff like that. So he's got his very deep Arnold kind of voice. So you got to kind of listen to it with a bit of a grain of salt and you'll probably have a few chuckles at first while you're listening to it. Uh, they even do a few Arnold-esque bad one-liners kind of like he did you know, in his 80s action movies. Uh, another one that I've listened to, it's, it's an older one, and it's, it's very much like the game uh, Space Hulk, which is where uh, it's a squad of space marines fighting on a, a abandoned ship against the Tyranids. It's called Heart of Rage. That one's fairly well done as well. And that's another audio drama that they did. That it's, it's a few years old now. It's almost four years old. It came out in November 2010, but I've listened to that one quite a few times, and it's pretty good and it's exciting. And it's kind of nice seeing the, the Tyranids, or rather hearing the Tyranids. Charles, you got anything else you want to recommend? I know you've read probably, at this point, almost as much as I have. Um, I uh, Honestly, my favorite books are in the 30K line. And if there's two that I could recommend from that 30K era, the first one would be Legion by Dan Abnett. It is um, about the Alpha Legion before they turn traitor. And it's really interesting because the Alpha Legion aren't they aren't like any other legion of the Space Marines. Um, really, really cool. I definitely suggest that one. That one left a hole in my reading heart, and that couldn't be filled for like a good two or three weeks. Um, the other one I would suggest would be Fulgrim. Um, that's another 30K one. And um, as some of you may know, uh, the Emperor's children, they fell to Slanesh or Slanesh, whatever. Um they fell to Slanesh, and it's it does a really, really great job of showing you the slow descent into madness and and that is chaos, corruption. Um, a really, really fantastic job of of just seeing Fulgrim, the Primarch of the Emperor's Children, in all of his glory, into what he turns into in the end, which is uh, <laughs> it's kind of like he goes from being the shining, awesome dude to uh oh the, the guy from uh oh, what's um rocky horror picture show have you ever seen that matt i've never actually watched it oh no well some oh, of you might I know. know who you're thinking of it's yes he's played he, he's by like that creepy guy. guy yeah he turns into uh oh, i forgot his name anyway whatever it's you can just cut that out <laughs> Um, but it's really, really fantastic. Um, I, I really loved that one. And it really made me appreciate Slanesh, which, in my opinion, isn't really um, shown or given enough love in the new fluff of 40K or the new books of the you know current, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely suggest that. And really, that's, that's about it. Yeah. I, I agree with you about the Horus Heresy stuff. I just don't know if Legion would be a good one to start with. Like, if you've never read any other Warhammer 40,000 yeah. stuff, because I think it would probably leave you a bit confused. I would agree. Um, it is a little bit harder to get into, I would say that. If you're if you're not... And if, if you don't know anything about 40K, I wouldn't say to read it. If you've read a couple books, um, I would definitely suggest it, because it's, it's probably... In my opinion, it is the best... 30k book that has been released yet my opinion of course of course um i think 
to try and answer this with one series of books, I'm either going to go with Gaunt's Ghosts, for those who've never read anything, because they're 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 humans, like they're just they're normal humans. They're just part of the Ashton Militarum, whereas they're going to be called throughout that book Imperial Guard because it's before the name change. Or I'd even recommend the new series, The War for Sanctus Reach, which you can get like that collection where you get them all. It's got a couple MP3 books or in audio dramas and stuff. It's got a couple ebooks and a couple novellas and stuff like that. But it, it kind of gives you a good overview. It's got Space Marines. It's got some Imperial Guard and it's got the orcs and stuff like that. So, you know, it's even got a book that's just about an assassin going in to kill a rebel leader. So, and it's got the Space Wolves too. Uh, and then it's got another group of Space Marines called the Obsidian Glaives, who this this is actually their home area. And they're the ones that are featured on Penumbra Spike that uh, Charles read. So, I'd say this is a pretty good series to dive into because it'll give you a good overview. It gives you some variety and that you get to read from like the orcs perspective and Space Marines and stuff like that. And you also get the Space Wolves, and I can never recommend the Space Wolves enough. It's, and the Space Wolf in question is actually Ragnar Blackmane, who, as we know, is coming up in the first Warlord Cycle pack. So I said that'd be a good start. Um, there's even a book that's it's one of the newer ones that's called Maledictus, where it's it's during this orc invasion called the Red Wog, but it's actually about the Grey Knights, and the Grey Knights are a chapter of Space Marines who their entire focus is on chaos. They don't fight anything other than chaos and chaos somehow gets involved in this particular war uh, that involves the orcs and anybody else and so the Grey Knights become involved too so it, it gives you a good variety I think in this so this would be a good series I'd recommend to anyone who's just starting out or like I said get some of those really really short stories if you can find them online or whatever um, and just kind of read those. Like I said, the really, really short ones are on like you know four or five pages, so you kind of give a good variety of them, and this kind of see you know what really intrigues you. Or even if you've got a certain faction in the the card game, there's probably a series that will give you a good view into them. Like the Elder and Dark Elder both have series that are just them, stuff like that. If you don't know and you want to know, you can you know you can email us at our website or not our website or email address you can also uh, message us on facebook or on the boards i'm talk to mish on all the boards t-o-q-t-a-m-i-s-h so you can pretty much find me anywhere i'm also on pretty much every single 40k facebook group as matt not so you can probably find me quite easily on there too so if you're not sure which book to start with and you know you like x faction just tell me what faction is and i'll probably have a recommendation on what you can read okay so that's going to be the end of this week's Know Your Lore section. Charles, you got any last-minute thoughts before we wrap things up? No, man, I'm good. All right. Then I will, of course, end things I always do. Blood for the blood god.